pain has reached epidemic proportions in America. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. This is Aches and Gains. Dr. Paul Christo is one of America's leading experts on relieving pain. He's board-certified, Harvard-trained, and a pain medicine specialist at Johns Hopkins. U.S. News and World Report ranks him as a top doctor and among the top 1% in the nation for pain management. Becker's Review selected him as one of the 70 best pain management physicians in America. He's listed as a super doctor for the Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Northern Virginia area. Aches and Gains is a weekly talk show covering all aspects of pain and pain relief. The human impact is real. Older adults, children, and even infants struggle to cope with pain. But there's hope, and there are treatments that can ease pain and suffering. The show offers compelling stories about people who found relief. We share cutting-edge treatments from contributing experts, and we offer ways to help people cope with their pain. Welcome to the show. Surprisingly, bone is one of the most dynamic organs of the body. It seems hard and static, but the stem cells inside remove old bone and replace it with new bone all the time. Bone pain is felt deeply in the body, and it's hard to pinpoint. In fact, uh, skeletal pain is a frequent reason patients seek help from doctors. Bone pain comes from common conditions like osteoarthritis and fractures and even viruses. It's also caused by more serious conditions like bone cancer. It's remarkable, though, how little we know about what drives skeletal pain and how best to relieve it. Today, our guests will help answer these questions. Attorney Charlie Harless shares his triumphs over many years of bone pain from a condition called fibrous dysplasia. And then Dr. Patrick Manti, an expert in bone research, talks about new discoveries in understanding, halting, and even reversing skeletal pain. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, Purdue Pharma, and Boston Scientific. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. If you have any questions or comments for Dr. Christo, please email him at achesandgains at gmail.com. Charlie Harless is a founding member and president of the Fibrous Dysplasia Foundation. He's an accomplished attorney working on public policy and employment for people with disabilities. Charlie, welcome to Aches and Gains. Thank you. Glad to be with you. You have a condition known as fibrous dysplasia that often causes pain. Tell us about it. Fibrous dysplasia is an uncommon bone disease caused by a defective gene in the cells that form bone. Uh-huh. The cause of the gene defect is unknown, but it's uh, neither inherited uh, from one's parents nor passed on to uh, one's children. Right. Uh, the gene defect causes uh, a single bone to go uh, unnoticed for years or it may affect every bone in your body. Mm-hmm. Affected bones are weak and subject to fracture and deformity and there's significant pain uh, usually associated with the disease. Yeah, that's an excellent summary. So in fact, uh, normal bone is replaced by something called fibrous tissue and this causes the bone to expand. There are some studies that show that the head and the legs of the body are the most often affected. Uh, Charlie, what, what is life like for people who have this condition? One of the primary problems is that it's weak and that the lesions that result are sometimes referred to as tumors, but it's not any type of cancer, so that's sort of misleading. But uh, it can cause deformity of the bone in terms of its shape, uh, especially when it's in the uh, cranial area. It can yeah. cause you know, headaches. You can have people that have 
the thickness of their skull can be just literally inches thick. Mm -hmm. The disease tends to be usually in the long bones like the femur is probably the most primary bone that that we see it in, Uh, but it can be in literally any other bone too. And it also weakens the bone to the point where in the femur you end up with what's called a shepherd's crook where the uh, bone you know, literally bends into the shape of a shepherd's crook. Wow. And fibrous dysplasia, I believe, is usually diagnosed in childhood or uh, early adulthood. It usually starts manifesting itself in, in childhood. Uh, in some cases, it can be extremely early, uh, but yeah. more likely it's discovered when a kid breaks their leg when they're you know, four, five, six years old. Right. And how did the doctors know that you had it? I first broke my leg when I was, I think, six years old. Fairly mm-hmm. typical. Mm-hmm. I broke it in the succeeding two years. Then I proceeded to break my femur 10 times between ages six and 16, literally every year. And uh, they finally diagnosed it when I was about uh, eight years old. Did the doctors do any specific testing? They finally did a biopsy. Most of the time it does not take a biopsy. Now it's usually diagnosed with uh, x-rays or CAT scans. So Charlie, for you, when you were young, you didn't have any bony overgrowths or deformities. I mean, what were you doing that uh, that led to these frequent femur fractures? Most of them were just doing you know, everyday stuff. I know that my mother was a real worrywart and tried to get me not to do things, and I was the kind of kid that I was going to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh-huh. And I ended up breaking my leg just by stumbling and trying to catch myself. I, I broke it swimming one time in the ocean. I, wow. Yeah, I can't even mm. remember half of the ways that I ended up breaking it over the years. Yeah, you know, uh, it's scary because it's the everyday things that uh, we would take for granted as a kid uh, that would lead to these fractures in you. And I'm also curious about, uh, you know, kids are pretty active when they're young. Were, did all these fractures lead to a pretty limited life? Well, what happened with me primarily was that I would break my leg. Back then, the treatment was to put you in what's called a spica cast, which is a cast from your chest down to your toes. Right. And you'd be in that depending uh, on circumstances anywhere from a couple of months to, I think the longest I was ever in one was about six months. Wow. Then I would graduate to a wheelchair or a walker, and then I would graduate to crutches, and then I'd find another way to break it. (laughs) (laughs) My my, my parents had a friend who owned a funeral home, and he gave them a stretcher, the kind that, you know, was down on the floor level, Uh and I used that to scoot around the house. Wow. It was was just a cycle (laughs) that I went through on a fairly regular basis, and finally, when I was about... Yeah, 16, 17, uh, the cycle stopped for whatever reason. We have to take a break, but when we come back, we'll talk to Charlie about how he coped emotionally with this vicious cycle of breaks and recovery. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. Aches and Gains is supported by Medtronic, the global leader in medical technology, alleviating pain, restoring health, and extending life for millions of people around the world. Purdue Pharma making a positive impact on healthcare and on lives, reminding everyone to safeguard medications in their home. Welcome back. We're speaking with Charlie Harless, who has bone pain from a condition known as fibrous dysplasia. Uh, Charlie, you were mentioning that you, when you were a kid, you had multiple uh, femur fractures that led to a uh, large body cast, uh, followed by using a wheelchair, walker, and crutches. I mean, did this lead to uh, a lot of loneliness and isolation? I was pretty much involved in whatever I wanted to be. I had a lot of friends. Mm-hmm. I could be outdoors a lot, and uh, 
I, I never really got to the back to the point where I was walking without crutches or without a wheelchair or whatever. Yeah. Uh, so I got used to that and it really didn't bother me that much. I was very active in sports to the extent like I was always the, the trainer or the manager for the football and basketball teams in high school and even when I got into college and stuff. Wow, that's fantastic. I mean, uh, it's really inspiring that it, you never let it get the best of you. Were your parents... Uh, at that time, afraid that you had bone cancer? Oh, I'm sure that my parents must have been told that in that period of time, you know, ages six, seven, eight, when they were literally taking me to doctors wherever they could find somebody to see me. Uh, but they never told me that. They yeah. never confirmed to me that that's what they were told, but I'm pretty sure. And that, that still happens today. Wow. Not quite as frequently as it used to be, but that was very common for parents to be told your child has some rare cancer. Yeah. As an adult, how has fibrous dysplasia affected your bones? In my case, uh, they are still very weak. I developed problems as an adult with my arms more than my legs, actually. Mm -hmm. uh, but then I had a major fracture in 1998, so I was, what, 40-some uh, yeah, years old. And uh, that that ended up causing me you know, a lot of problems, and I ended up having... Uh, a significant amount of hardware uh, put into my femur. Yeah. And uh, actually, I think that's now causing some of the problems I'm having. It caused, mis it caused misalignment of my joints, my major joints like my hips and my knees. Yeah, I'm sorry to hear that. If we looked at you today, would we know that you had fibrous dysplasia? Only if you really knew a lot about fibrous dysplasia and had met a lot of people already with it. Yeah, uh, I've got enough of it in my face so that uh, my face is not symmetrical, which is another indication of uh, fibrous dysplasia in the craniofacial area. Mm -hmm. uh, and obviously my legs are clearly deformed. I'm, I'm rather short. Uh, so yeah, there, there are some things that if you knew, you would realize what it is or have a pretty good idea. Mm -hmm. Join us next time for part two of our interview with Charlie when we talk about what his pain is like and how he's overcome it. Up next is Dr. Patrick Manti, an expert in bone research who talks about new discoveries in understanding, halting, and even reversing skeletal pain. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and this is Aches and Gains. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. Each week, we invite you to email Dr. Christo with your questions at achesandgains at gmail.com. Dr. Manti is a professor of pharmacology at the University of Arizona. He studies the molecular and cellular mechanisms that regulate musculoskeletal pain. In fact, his investigations have led to the development of new therapies for osteoarthritis, osteoporosis, and the pain of bone cancer. Dr. Manti, welcome to Aches and Gains. Wonderful to be here. The skeleton is the main structural support of the body. I mean, there's, there's a lot going on in the bones physiologically. Will you give us an overview of the life cycle of bones? Sure. So when one is young, mm -hmm. that is uh, under 40, um, your skeleton turns over probably every seven years. Uh -huh. So your entire skeleton is remodeled uh, and replaced with new bone. When it's at its peak and when it's functioning properly, it's a, a very metabolically active organ. I think it also can be viewed as kind of a reservoir of minerals and growth factors that you need 
uh, at times of either injury or pregnancy or just rebuilding the body. Right, like after exercise. Uh, Pat, will you give us an idea of how the body actually removes old bone and replaces it with new bone? It first has to recruit cells that come in and break the bone down. Mm -hmm. And then they then have to have uh, cells which come in and rebuild the bone. Right. The older we get, though, that repair process slows down. And that's where a lot of the aches and pains that we have when we get older, uh, which, are, which you find in the skeleton, are due to is just the repair process is slower than what we would like. Exactly. Uh, and, you know, skeletal pain is a common reason patients seek help from doctors. Uh, your research, though, has advanced our understanding of what, what drives bone pain. Let's talk about those conditions that cause such debilitating symptoms. Well, it, it certainly, as I said, it, a bone fracture can um, certainly do it. And how about arthritis? We don't really know, is the pain really coming from the joint or is it coming from the underlying bone? Right. And as our mus- musculoskeletal system ages, we can't exercise as much as we did when we were young, mm-hmm. and we would like to, or many people would like to. <laughs> And I think that that's one of the key things to successful aging is actually having a healthy skeletal system that can remodel itself when you simply have normal wear and tear or injury. Mm -hmm. That's a great point. We know that uh, osteoarthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, for example, uh, sickle cell disease, bone cancer, I mean, these are things that certainly cause bone pain. And yet it's the normal wear and tear in our bones that occurs with age that can actually lead to quite a bit of pain. When you're 25 years old and you, you spend a day outside biking and you know just being active, yeah. you get up the next morning and you're ready to go. Mm-hmm. I think that changes when you're 55, 60, 45. And I think that that is a form of skeletal pain. It may not be as severe as OA and RA and you know, fracture and But at the same time, it is something that slows us down. And I think a key aspect of the the research uh, we're doing is basically to try to figure out how do our bones change with age? Why is it more painful in the morning when you're 45 than it was when you're 25? And can we actually come up with therapies so that you can remain active throughout your life? and participate in successful aging. I hope so. Uh, Pat, how likely is it that we'll develop bone pain in our lives? Oh, I think, it, I think if, if you live beyond 45, you're going to have it. <laughs> right. I think it is, it's almost like saying, what's the likelihood we're going to die? <laughs> I, I think it's pretty high. And, and, and I think that similarly, are we going to develop skeletal pain with age? The answer currently is yes. Mm-hmm. I think that there are people that uh, you can see they're 90 and they can still walk. Do they have more skeletal pain? Yes. But I think we would like to have most people experience that and be able to at least have a skeleton you can build successful aging on as opposed to having one where every time you get up or like you say, OA, et cetera, it's difficult to do even the things that you love on a relatively moderate basis and you have the pain. Yes, let's study those who have uh, lived successfully to old age and determine clinical markers that can guide us toward a healthy, pain-free life. Uh, Pat, let's consider causes of bone pain. And in doing so, what would be the top three? I would think that the majority of it is uh, coming from a joint. Mm -hmm. What's really happening is that your muscles I mean, the way the muscles are worked is they're attached to the bones, right. and then they pull the bones here and there. And I think that we know that the outside lining of bone, which we call the periosteum, mm-hmm. it's where all the muscle fibers and tendons and ligaments attach. And we think it's actually the pulling of that on the periosteum and the underlying bone, which is a significant part of uh, bone pain. Right. And then the last thing is probably microfractures, that you, these little fractures that you get in your bone, and those are probably painful, um, 
that you don't see them on an x-ray until it's a full fracture, but we think that's a significant component of bone pain also. Okay, so first the joint, then the pulling on the periosteum, and then finally microfractures. Uh, Pat, how do we um, translate your laboratory work into clinical practice? What we're really trying to do is to understand what's the mechanism, mm-hmm. what's the therapy, and then what's the diagnosis. Right. And if you can move between those three, i.e. A, a physician or a patient could say, okay, this is the, I'll tell you what my diagnosis is. I have the pain from, for example, overuse of my, my knee. You would then be able to say, okay, because of a particular mechanism that we know is involved in that pain, this is the therapy you should actually use. Absolutely. It would be great to have mechanistic-based therapies uh, in effect. Uh, does the research tell us whether a certain type of skeletal pain signals a specific cause, meaning uh, if someone suffers from sharp stabbing pain, that that is more likely than not metastasis, which is the spread of cancer from one part of the body to the bone. Probably. And I, and I think that the that sharp stabbing pain we actually think is conveyed by a different set of nerve fibers that's, con- that's conveying the dull aching pain. Mm-hmm. If you're going to say, where, where do you make your progress? It's basically understanding which type of pain does each type of nerve fiber which innervate the bone carry. Right, and innervate means to supply a muscle or bone with nerves. And Pat, let's talk about what kind of nerves innervate the bone and how these nerves signal bone pain. Yeah, and I think that that's really the advance we've made in the last decade. I think that we know that there are fewer types of nerve fibers which innervate the bone versus the skin. Mm -hmm. And because the bone, if you will, lacks the redundancy in multiple types of nerve fibers innervating it as compared to skin, yeah. that presents a therapeutic opportunity because you don't have to block as many type of nerve fibers to reduce bone pain as you do skin pain. Exactly. And this can lead to great potential to reduce bone pain compared to other types of pain in the body. When we continue, we'll delve even more deeply then into the A delta and C fibers that innervate the periosteum, which is the lining of the bone, Uh, mineralized bone, and the bone marrow. I'm Dr. Paul Christo. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter at DRPaulCristo and like us on Facebook, Aches and Gains. For live online listening to Aches and Gains, please go to paulchristomd.com. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. And we're back speaking with Dr. Pat Manti, expert in bone research and skeletal pain. Uh, Pat, talk to us about what type of nerve fibers supply the bone. And the A-delta and C-fibers just really refers to conduction velocity. Right. The A-delta is uh, conducted faster. The C, and, and that's probably what's giving you the sharp pain, that, that kind of pain that's immediate. And then the, the one is the dull pain, those are the C fibers, and they, they have a conduction velocity that's significantly lower than the, the ones that uh, signal the stabbing pain. Mm-hmm. You know, what's scary is that arthritic pain especially leads to things like reduced mobility, uh, depression, and sleep problems, and, and that's predicted to get worse as our life expectancy increases. That's true. And, and really, we don't know much about the mechanisms that cause arthritic pain. Right. Well, I, I think we're beginning to. Mm-hmm. There's, there's a... Um, compound, well, it's actually a group of drugs uh, that basically block something called nerve growth factor. Right. So when we're, we're in, the, in utero and when we're very young, uh, under five years old, you need nerve growth factor for the survival of your nerve fibers. Uh-huh. 
And if you don't have nerve growth factor, you actually have this, um, this particular disease called congenital insensitivity to pain, which means you just don't feel painful, noxious stimuli. So if you put your hand on a, on a stove, you won't know that it's painful and it actually will continue to burn. So that's what nerve growth factor does when we're young. Right. As we age, it stops having that action on, uh, that nerve fibers needed to survive. And instead, it really begins to be the thing that sensitizes them. After a long walk or a hike or a run, you, you basically now say, wow, that begins to hurt. That normal activity is now perceived as, as mildly or, or moderately painful. Mm-hmm. So we know that um, nerve growth factor causes bone pain, and so do other substances like prostaglandins. We can block prostaglandins with drugs like Motrin. And what's really exciting is that in development are drugs that can block nerve growth factor. And if we can do that, we'll reduce osteoarthritic pain by a huge number. Ten years ago, I think if one would have suggested it, I think one would have said, I don't know if it'll work at all. Maybe it will have no effect. We now know that it, in human clinical trials, it reduces osteoarthritis pain by 40 to 50%. That really is spectacular. And Pat, it's fascinating that human and animal studies have shown an abnormal growth of nerves into areas where they shouldn't be, which results in skeletal pain. One uh, hypothesis in osteoarthritis is normally, if you look at your cartilage in your joint, there should be no nerve fibers there. Right. You want the cartilage there to be kind of as a shock absorber, but you don't want any nerve fibers there, sensory nerve fibers that detect every time you load your joints. Mm-hmm. We think that as the cartilage actually degenerates, nerve fibers start to come into the cartilage, innervate it, and basically now sense every time you're loading it. And, and that simply, it would be like putting a shock absorber in your car and every time you use it, it basically gives off this screeching noise. <laughs> right. That's the same as your nerve fibers which every time you're using your joint, they're saying, ouch, ouch, yeah. ouch, and, and you're perceiving that. The same thing we think certainly happens in after fracture. When at the fracture site, you can, if it does not heal properly, you have nerve fibers sprout into that. And again, every time you use your, your fractured bone, it says, ouch. And the same happens in, in bone cancer. Uh-huh. So we think that this idea that the nerve fibers, just like the bone, can actively remodel after an injury, we think that may be one of the reasons why skeletal pain becomes so prevalent as we age is that these nerve fibers continue to sprout. They're in places that they shouldn't be, and they're at a much higher density than there ever were when we were young. Exactly. And in fact, osteoarthritis is one of the top three painful conditions that affect us. The the sprouting and reorganization of nerves occurs in other uh, painful conditions like cancer and uh, endometriosis and even irritable bowel syndrome. What's the sense of whether this same type of sprouting, uh, in fact, leads to osteoarthritis? I I think it's driving the arthritic pain. So I think the arthritis itself has occurred because of just the degeneration of the cartilage. There's something unique about cartilage, good, healthy cartilage, which repulses nerve fibers from being there. Mm -hmm. You cannot find one nerve fiber, and we've looked, uh, in normal, healthy uh, cartilage. Once you see the cartilage begin to degenerate, there's something, and it's probably just what you said, it's probably inflammatory cells, macrophages, neutrophils coming in there that are releasing NGF, which are then causing the sprouting. Yeah. But um, it, the nerve fibers should normally not be there in healthy cartilage. I think that they invade the area. 
uh, once you actually have degeneration occurring. And in fact, uh, unfortunately, the cartilage doesn't contain any blood vessels or nerve fibers. And in fact, I wonder if that's why we're more susceptible to the development of arthritis. I think one of the major reasons arthritis occurs, etc., is because of just the slowness at which cartilage can, can regenerate itself in the older animal. Right, and it's surprising to note that bone remodels and regenerates faster than cartilaginous structures like the joints, the ligaments, and the tendons. Be sure to be with us next time when we delve into effective therapies for fibrous dysplasia and newer therapies for osteoarthritis. I'm Dr. Paul Christo, and you're listening to Aches and Gains. The views and opinions expressed in this radio program are solely the views of Dr. Paul Christo and do not necessarily express the views of this radio station and Johns Hopkins University School of Medicine, nor an endorsement by any or all of them of any of its content. This show provides medical information, not advice. Please consult your personal physician before engaging in any course of treatment or use of any of the techniques or products discussed on this show. Discussion of particular uses of products on this show have not been approved by any of the manufacturers of such products. To access podcasts of the show, please go to paulchristomd.com. That's paulchristomd.com. Aches and Gains is produced by Tom Blair and Ty Ford. Elsa Langford is the technical consultant and engineer. Dr. Paul Christo is the executive producer. Thanks for listening. This is Aches and Gains with Dr. Paul Christo.